Please be seated. What a great morning of worship. Uh, coming to conclusion of our, our moment series. I don't know about you, but I'm going to miss just spending these moments every week with Jesus. Uh, today we talk about an old French word, déjà vu. Anybody heard of that? Déjà vu means you, you see again. And I hope through this message series, you may have had a moment where you experienced something with Jesus that you've experienced before. How many of you ever had a déjà vu moment? Well, you, a lot of hands. You walk in a room, you feel like you've been there, you go through an encounter, you feel like you've experienced it. Those can be really, really good. They can be not so good. I cannot believe I'm about to use this illustration, so um, some of you have to forgive me. Some of you will love me a little bit. But 1972, if you're an Alabama fan, was an awful year because it was the year of punt, bama, punt. And you never thought you'd relive a moment that bad. Until 2013, and what did we have? Kick, Bama, kick, all right? I, I need to say, all these guys with Auburn shirts down here. You guys always talk about us living in the past. Well, let, let's just talk, <laughs> let, let's talk about that just for a moment. Guys, you, you have those deja vu moments, don't you? And, and today, you may be in need of one. The, the gospel moment we're looking at this morning is when Peter needed that moment. I mean, he's done some bad stuff. He doesn't think Jesus wants to fool with him. And often we need those moments in our life. In fact, if you're taking notes, here here are your first blanks. A deja vu moment is needed when you failed so often and so dramatically. You think Jesus is through with you. So you're tempted to go back to your old life. You go back. There's that roller coaster, Six Flags over in Atlanta. It's called Deja Vu. You go through the roller coaster, and then it turns you around and takes you back. In Peter's life, he's gone through some great things, but now he's failed so miserably, he's going back to his old life. In fact, go with me, and let's watch this. John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. We'll find out this is his third appearance after his resurrection. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. If you're counting, there's seven of them. Listen to what Peter says in verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Now read between the lines. It seems that Peter has failed so miserably, and he probably thinks Jesus never wants anything to do with him, certainly to be an apostle that he's decided to go back to his old profession. I'm just going back fishing, guys. This has been a disaster. I've been a disaster, and let me go back. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? And they answered, No. He said, Throw your nets out on the other side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Guys, this is deja vu. This is almost the exact same scene here in John chapter 21 that we saw earlier in Luke chapter 5 when he first calls these guys. They've not caught anything. He tells them to throw the net. The net's so full it begins to break. They pull it in, and Jesus calls them to be disciples. And here we go all over again. 
Now look what happens when they recognize it's Jesus. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John writing this, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off and he jumped in the water. Now this is a little bit backwards to me, okay? You know, Peter stripped down to fish. He sees Jesus, he puts his clothes on to swim. I guess they did things differently in that day. But whatever thing, he's trying to get to Jesus. The other disciples followed the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus is already cooking before they ever arrive. Now, this is a really an incredible deja vu moment I've never noticed before. The word there for coals here is charcoal. And the word charcoal only appears in the Bible in one other verse. Anybody know what it was? John 18, verse 18. It's that fire where Peter denies the Lord three times. You think there's some deja vu going on here? He's remembering that moment. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. He was full of large fish, 153. Any of you guys fishermen? Any of you competitive about fishing? I mean, what, what a deal here. Not, we got a bunch of fish. We've got maybe over 100. We've got 153. And don't mistake them for small fish. They're large, okay? So everybody's pride's intact. But even with so many, the net was not torn. I love this, this next line. So, so wonderful. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Even in our homes, for someone who cooked a big breakfast and someone say, hey, breakfast is ready. Let's come on. That's a sweet, sweet sound, sweet words. But here's Jesus, the man who cast out demons, the man who healed sick people, the man who resurrected people from the dead, the man who died on the cross for our sins, resurrected for our life. Now it just simply says, guys, I've been, I've been cooking some breakfast. Would you come to the table? Let's eat together. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Now, again, there's so many deja vu moments. Here we go. It sounds just like the feeding of the 5,000. He's, he's presenting the bread and the fish. Now, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, we see this setup, and it sets up what I believe is one of the most dramatic scenes of all the Bible. Because, guys, we know how badly Peter has blown it. Now, Peter had claimed that he was going to be so strong. You know, for a while, he didn't even want to believe Jesus would be crucified. Finally, when Jesus, one day Jesus says, I'm going to die in front of all the disciples. And Peter says, okay, Lord, I don't know about these other dudes, but I'm telling you what, if they kill you, they're killing me. I mean, he's spoken so boldly. And, and then, you know, Jesus is finally taken on trial. And, and the trial's going on. And Peter wants to, wants to be there for Jesus, but he's also scared to death for his own life. And so he gets sort of as close to the Savior as he can, but hopefully far enough that nobody notices, but they notice. And three times somebody says, you are one of Jesus' disciples. You're one of those Galileans. I've seen you hanging out with him. And for three times he says, I don't know him. I don't know him. And finally the third time, he's so exasperated by the question, he curses and says, I don't know him. 
And just as Jesus had predicted, the cock crows, Peter looks up, and who does he see? His eyes are locked on Jesus. Dr. Luke says, Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine that look? Can you imagine how Jesus felt? I mean, he needs somebody to stand up in this crowd and say, no, 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 I know him, I love him. Imagine how Peter felt. You don't really have to imagine that when the Bible tells you. It says, as soon as Jesus looked at him, Peter broke out weeping. And it says he didn't just weep, he wept bitterly. And so Peter has been an absolute mess They've had these two sort of mysterious appearances of Jesus in the upper room where Jesus walks through walls. But there's not really been this conversation between Jesus and Peter yet until we get to this scene on the beach. It's an amazing scene. They eat breakfast. The conversation does not start until after breakfast. You ever been in trouble with your folks? You know, like, like let's say you came in one night and you broke curfew. And your mom and dad are sitting there in the living room, and they just look at you, and they say, um, we'll talk about this in the morning. What's your night like? It's pretty miserable. Or you get home, and you know you're in trouble. You flunked on your report card, and they let you just sit there through the whole meal with nothing being said. I feel like that's how Peter had to feel. I mean, he's just sitting there, and nothing said until after breakfast, and then this riveting conversation happens. Jesus looks at Simon Peter, and he says, do you love me more than these? That's a pretty fascinating question. There's, there's two ideas here. Is he saying, do you love me more than your fellow disciples? You claimed you did. You claimed you didn't know what they would do when I died, but you'd be the one to stand up. Do you love me more? You, you're still brash enough to say you love me more than disciples? Or, or he may be saying, Peter, you're going back to fishing do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than your profession? Do you love me more than going back to your old lifestyle? But for whatever the reason, the problem here for Peter is what Jesus asked. Can you imagine? After such failure, could there be a worse question than for Jesus to look him in the eyes and say, do you love me? And Peter's fumbling with this, guys. Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Well, not, that's not really what he says. You don't catch this in the English because we have one word for love. In the Greek language, they had lots of words. The word Jesus says when he asked Peter, do you love me, is agape, the highest form of love. It's the best love. What Peter says, when Jesus says, do you love me? Peter responds with phileo, friendship kind of love. So it, it goes out like this. Jesus says, Peter, i got to know this man. And he calls him Simon Peter. Simon Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, oh, Lord, you know I like you. Oh, my goodness. Peter comes, Jesus comes back another time. Simon, Simon, come on, man. Do you love me? And again, Peter just he can't bring himself to say too much. He's not going to claim more than he's going to live. For once, he's not going to put his foot in his mouth. Jesus, Jesus, come on, man. You know I like you. Because if I'm Jesus at this point, I'm done with Peter. How about you? After I've died on the cross for you, resurrected for you, stuck with you through all the times you put your foot in the mouth, and this time you cannot even admit that you love me? 
but the most hopeful, grace-filled sentence possibly in Scripture. Jesus comes back to Peter and says, Simon, do you like me? And Simon says, yes, Lord, you know I like you. What happens? Jesus changes his word. He's saying, okay, Peter, I'm taking you back through this moment, and I'm going to accept you just like I did at the beginning, right where you are. So why does Jesus want Peter to have this same experience all over again? Let me give you a few moments of what this is all about. First of all, Jesus wants him to experience his identity again. It's a deja vu of Jesus' identity. You see, back in Luke chapter 5, in the story that parallels this, when Peter figures out that Jesus is something special, that he's the Messiah, he falls at his feet and says, Lord, you've got to get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I, I don't deserve to be around you. Living Bible says, I'm too much of a sinner for you to, to hang around. <laughs> I like the cotton patch version. Jesus, don't waste your time on a bum like me. I mean, he's like, get away from me. And he feels it again. And now he feels it even double. Because not only is Jesus the Lord, he's the resurrected Lord. And after all Peter's done, I, I think he jumps out of the boat to swim the shore to land to the same place he landed in that other boat on his knees, on his face before God. And so Jesus wants him to experience his identity. But more than that, Jesus wants him to experience his acceptance. Back in Luke chapter 5, when he says, get away from me, Jesus says, uh, hey man, don't be afraid. I got plans for you. From now on, you will fish for men. And here he says, Peter, okay, if all you can say right now, if, if, if where you are right now, after all your failure is, I like you, I, I'm, I'm going to take you right the way you are. You see, what Jesus is communicating in both places to sinners like you and I is, I'm not rejecting you because of your past. You've come to a safe place with me. I'm the Son of God. I've taken care of your sins. It's okay to come to me. You're not going to be rejected. And then he wants him also to experience the call to mission, to Jesus' mission. Now, I, I love it. In, um, back in Luke chapter 5, you know, Jesus says, For now on, here's your job, Peter. For now on, you will fish for men. Okay, you're going you're to stop fishing for fish, and you're going to be after men. Now, in our story we just recounted, the three times after the question, Jesus says almost the same thing to Peter, just a little bit of difference. First time after Peter says, I like you, Jesus says, um, feed my lambs. Second time he says, take care of my sheep. Third time he says, feed my sheep. Now, you say, what, what's the parallel here? At the beginning, Jesus said, when you get on my mission, it's all about people. And here in the, the restoration of Peter, it's still all about people. It's about loving God and loving people. Get on the mission. Now, there is some variation here. Back in Luke chapter 5, it's about reaching lost people. Here, it's about maturing saved people. And, and, and so what Jesus is saying to Peter is, man, I want your heart and your life to be about what my heart and my life is about. It's about people. Get back into people. Get out of the fishing business, Peter, and get back into the people business. 
Now, love these says two different things, so I think they're both important. Uh, Jesus said, part of my mission is to reach people. Part of my mission is to mature people. And among churches, this, there seems to be a tension. There seems to be some churches that are only good at reaching people, and there seems to be other churches that are only good at maturing people. And, and so if you come to this church that's only good at maturing people, they don't connect with you because they think everything's got to be so, so deep. They're not looking that there might be someone among us who doesn't know the Lord. Who's usually, so, so everything has got to be so deep because we want, all we want is meat. Over here, it's like, well, we just want to reach people because all we want is milk. And what Jesus says to Peter, he says to us is, if you're a church that's following me, you've got to do both. Jesus not only called people out of their sins, but he matured people into his image. And guys, if you're looking for a church, don't find a church. Don't fall for a church that does one or the other. You need to find a church that does both. And as a church, my friends, we've got to be that church. And, and, you know, the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing a lot about mission. Because as a church, we want to make sure before some major changes, we want our mission to be on plainly. Because that's what it's about. And it's about exactly what Jesus is saying to Peter. You've got to help me catch people. You've got to help me mature people. You see, you've got to love what I love. Listen to a couple statements in the Bible. You know these. This is God's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen to this next word. It's critical. That whosoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen to 1 Timothy 2.4. God desires all, all men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. And as Jesus' people, we must desire the same. That's one reason I love Landmark's mission statement. Because I think it encompasses both. What do we do? We're here to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, we'd like you to take that next step. If you're a young Christian, we want you to have this growing relationship with Jesus. If you've been a Christian for 60 years, we still want to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. We all have next steps, and we all grow together. It's not either or. And then one more thing here. He wants him to experience deja vu in his calling. He wants him to go back to the simple calling. My friends, Christianity can be summed up in two words. Follow me. Maybe you're like Peter. You've had failure in your life. Quite frankly, life's become complicated. Even faith's become complicated. And you can't quite figure it all out. And you just need to go back and boil it down to the simple statement, Jesus calls you to follow him. I ask you today, are you following Jesus? You see, in Luke chapter 5, Peter left everything to follow Jesus. In John chapter 21, he's leaving the fishing business again to follow Jesus. Hey guys, here's what I believe. Is, is we all need these kind of moments. Right? Hey guys, sometimes we're like, oh, I gotta get something new, gotta experience something. No, 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 no. Sometimes you don't need to experience something new or even understand something new. Some, that, that's awesome. That's a part of it. Sometimes you just need to remember what it was like at the beginning. Sometimes you just need to have that deja vu moment where you experience what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus. 
I mean, look, if you have your Bible, go to, go to Revelation chapter 2 with me just for a second. There's this church in Ephesus there, and um, he's talking about this church, and man, it's a great church. It's got a great reputation. They're doing some really, really cool things. I mean, you walk in that church, you go, whoa, this is, this is cool. But they got a problem. Listen to what he says in verse 4. Yet the Spirit says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. I love the old translation. You've forsaken, you've moved away from your first love. Because anytime you move way too far away from Jesus and just loving him, you're in a bad path. You've, you've forgotten your first love. What is the prescription for this problem? Consider how far you've fallen, repent, and do what? Do the things you did at first. And that's what Jesus is saying to Peter here. Peter, go back to that first original calling. When you fell on your face before me and I told you you didn't have to be afraid, that I'd got work for you to do, and you had the boldness. You didn't understand everything. You're just a new Christian. But you knew that you wanted to follow me, and you did it. And today, the same prescription, Peter, is what you need today. I know you've messed up. I know you've been up and down. I know you're embarrassed by what you've done, but I'm still Jesus. And, and, and you need to identify me. And you need to see that I, I'm still accepting you where you are. I'll take you again, just right where you are. And I'll give you a mission because I want you to go back to that original calling. And I just wonder, as we conclude this series, how many of us need that kind of moment? You see, here's what I believe about deja vu moments spiritually. You know, scientists sort of doubt they're really real, okay? This one's real. Scientists say that a deja vu moment is probably not real. It just shows that you're your brain's working well. In other words, you're connecting things. So there's two circuitry in your brain. One circuitry about what's happening right now, and somehow in a deja vu moment, it connects with the circuitry of what happened before, okay? And I believe spiritually it's real that many of us need to go back to that powerful moment because these things can be real and powerful. In fact, I, I sort of wonder if this wasn't even more real and more powerful for Peter. I mean, you know, once you've endured more life and you've failed more and you're more, even more aware at this point that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus, once you've got there, I imagine this moment. Can you imagine what this moment meant to Peter? I mean, it's one thing meet him at the beginning, you know. It's another thing after you've been hanging out with Jesus for three years and, and you've screwed up over and over again. It's powerful. Because uh, what I'd love you to experience this morning and what I hope you've experienced over the last three months, we've been in this series for three months, is just remembering those stories about Jesus and getting back down to the basic point I can't understand everything. I can't explain everything, but I'll tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. I love Jesus. And I just want to follow him with everything I've got. So this morning, if you're needing one of those moments, I'm going to give you a couple ways to respond, all right? 
Number one is just this front row will be open. You've got cards in the back of your pew if you'd like to write something down. Many of you, that first moment happened on the front row. I can remember the Wednesday night, I told my mama, I didn't care what she said. I was 11 years old. She thought I needed to wait till I was 12 years old to be baptized. And I, she was putting her makeup on before church. And I stuck my head into her bathroom. And I said, Mama, I don't care what you say. I'm getting baptized tonight. And I remember, you know, that old invitation song where the preacher read from the song book, you know, and no one ever responded. Well, I responded. And I remember sitting so lonely on that front row because nobody sat with you. And I remember getting baptized in that cold water because we didn't keep it warm. And maybe it's this morning, you need to be back on a front row that you hadn't been on in a long time. You need a deja vu. It's time to, to get it back. Jesus offers it to you. Or maybe today just things are going on in your life and you just need someone to pray for you. It's just a, it's a rough time. And you don't need to necessarily say it in front of the whole church, but the shepherds of this church are going to surround this stage. In fact, if all the shepherds and their wives are in this assembly, if you guys come forward right now and just surround the stage... We'll give you an opportunity to, to pray in just a moment. So if you've you got the card in front of you, please at least write your name. Write what you'd like prayed, prayed, prayed about. And, and they're going to they're gonna be up here surrounding this stage. and just, just come tell them what you need to be prayed about. But here's what I'll say. Don't, don't leave this moment if you need a deja vu moment without doing something. This is a powerful moment. You say how powerful it is. Watch Peter. What happens after this encounter? Get you what? 50 days later, there's 100,000 people probably in Jerusalem. They're gathered from all over the world. It's the first time anybody's going to stand up and say, you know, this Jesus you crucified resurrected from the dead. Here's the good news. He wants to save you. 3,000 people get baptized on the spot. Quite a day, wasn't it? Can I ask you a question? Who preach that sermon are you guys this ignorant who preached that sermon peter can you can you believe that i think i just said peter man you got like a six-month probation okay i mean just just sort of hold on you're not the guy to get up and preach it out no 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 here's what i believe i believe absolutely peter was the right one to preach it because if anybody understood the gospel of grace if anybody understood how forgiving god could be it was simon peter and he preached it and so we think about these moments these are real and they're powerful and not only can you return to what you once experienced what i believe is you can Take a step to what you've never experienced. That your spiritual life can be better and stronger and more mature than it's ever been. So we're going to sing this song. If you need to respond and be prayed for, or give me a card for the church to pray over. Please do that right now while we stand and sing.